Welcome to Season 8, Episode 11 of the Euphoria Podcast. As always, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts generally, except for those random apps that you guys keep mentioning that we forget about and then eventually add, hopefully, but maybe not. So mostly <laughs> mostly stick in those four. Uh, but, you know, like we're, we're trying to get you everywhere. Wherever you're at, we're trying to provide for you so you can hear the sultry sounds of, of Mark Lamont here. My eternal co-host. Daniel Dracos. Yeah, that's right. Also known, you know as, DD, also known as um, McSpinnard. <laughs> McSizzard. McSizzard the Lizard Inquisitor. We're yep. playing Divinity Original Sin 2. If you've never played it it's and you like RPGs, it's a pretty cool game. I recommend checking it out. But um, we're playing it with the four stack, and it's led to a lot of, I would say, domestic issues is how I would describe yeah, them. A lot of debates. We've... We've learned that F8 is the uh, hotkey so, for quick load, not quick so, save. So we uh, took an hour to defeat this boss, <laughs> and we finally got it, and we went, and we went to the village, and we had a big issue where someone went into a massive fight. I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine, we'll load. But I thought the F, I thought I thought the F8 button was to to load, no, to no, save, to save before the fight, and it was to load. So and it you put load us, us back, back before the before fight. Before the fight, and I was on a loading screen, like, wait, I thought I was saving, and then we appeared, and I was like, oh. There's no autosave. And um, yeah, yeah, everyone got mad at me. All so right, it's a happy little accident. It started off, for those curious, and I recommend trying this with your friends and seeing if you're the kind of people that can do this. It turns out we're not. We originally tried role-playing our characters. <laughs> it didn't go well. Everyone just got confused at what they were doing. Everyone got really con Well, because no one knew how to actually play the game. So it was like, yes, sir, we shall go into battle. Also, how do I hit this guy? What is the hotkey yeah. for them? <laughs> yeah, it's like Dungeons and Dragons S game. It was really, it was really complicated. <laughs> so that, like, that's what we've been up to, I think. Um, yeah. And like, obviously, like, we love League of Legends. We play a ton of League of Legends. But it's always good to um, unwind with something else on occasion, especially when we're grinding for playoffs. And um, all I will say is that if Andrew Day is watching this, because we have to mention Vettius once an episode, if you electrocute me one more time in the middle yeah, of the... I swear, if you stun me in a shot and I <laughs> oh, can't use a oh turn, my... I'm going to get mad. This man should rename to collateral damage. Yeah. He is just like, he just oh hits us all. man, I have never seen someone miss more shots in my life. Yeah, no, he, needs, he needs more intelligence. This man he is needs plus three intelligence. He, this man <laughs> is figuring out the physics engine one step at a time. You mean when they step in water, they get electrocuted? And by they, he means us. He electrocutes us. Yeah, with his lightning. <sighs> And it's like, I can't blame him, but at the same time, man, we've we've used a lot of F, whatever a quick load is, F8. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. used a lot of F8s on on getting electrocuted in fight. Good times. But that's our life. That's that's the off-topic rant. We're here today. We're going to be talking uh, to Carzy and Larson uh, a little bit about what's to come in the future weeks. We only have one world spot left, for those of you who've been keeping up. Both Rogue and Mad Bruh. Lions are locked, and G2 Fanatic. That's going to be a big thing, figuring out who that final world slot is going to be. We're going to talk to both our guests about that. Today, they're going to be calling in. We want to help them stay focused on their prep, so we didn't want to bring them in uh, too much. And we also really want to talk about the series last week without having to like sugarcoat it. Like, no, Carzy, you didn't run it down in that fight. You know, we want to get, we want to get into it. We want to get mm. deep into it. Um, so let's start. Let's start by talking about those incredible series. The first one that on paper had no business being as close or as compelling as it was is Misfits versus Rogue. Mm. Um, everyone predicted this to be a Rogue one. I can't remember. Do you remember your game score prediction? Because I was pretty sure we were all in the three zero three one camp. I said three one. I said I remember this discussion. You, you and Vetti were like, "Yeah, dude, the Misfits is gonna get stumped, gonna get obliterated." And as much as I didn't say it will go to five games, I the only thing I really said was there's an argument to say that Misfits have a small chance. Um, 
just based on their mid jungle, and I think you saw it in the series. I think they had a fantastic, fantastic series, um, as well as Hirit. I was gonna say, had, I was gonna say, I was gonna, you could, you caught mid jungle. We have say to Hirit. talk about top yeah, side. I was okay, gonna say Hirit, but if you look at like Hirit is, he was very up and down in the series, right? You have the Nar game where he gets solo killed, the Fiora game where he's he like count picking, but he has no jungle attention, just keeps getting ganked and dying, even though he trades two for one now and then. And then the Camille games where he's like smurfing, the Jace game where he's smurfing, right? So he had like two great games and two poor games, and the last I, game was just. Uh, I think the last game was. I'm gonna say it. Misfits should have won that series, 100%. That should have won that series. Okay, okay. What's God? There's a lot to unpack there. Do I? Uh, you've given me like eight million things. Maybe I need it's to maybe up it's on. almost like a hindsight analysis in no, a no, sense no, no, where no, it's no. like. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, do you want to start with here it or do you want to start with Misfits should have won the series? Okay, I'll start with Misfits should have won the series because. Okay, okay. Let's start there and I'll follow up off that because you I, might not get this reference. Things. You might not get this reference, but it's a Formula One reference where an interviewer goes, "Gentlemen." Let me cast your minds back. This is how he starts. And it was a very long question of like two minutes. It was really funny. Any F1 fans will get it. Anyway, let me cast your mind back to the to the Infernal Soul. <laughs> yes. Misfits got it. Thank you. Misfits got the Infernal Soul and they were running away. The gold lead didn't matter. They were running away. I think one of them was dead. They wouldn't lose Baron. Nope. Two people go back in. They die. Specifically, I can tell you that here it backsteps for a second, inspired yep. instantly alts into fog of war, where here it is standing, yep. getting the gnar, getting the reset, and then the it was something along fight. those lines. I think Kobe died as well. Razork it was yep. one of those three. That actually, two of them died, and then they went to Nash, got Baron, and they had full control of the game. Had Misfits backed off with their Infernal Soul and came back onto the map without losing Nash, I think it was over. I agree. I think a lot of people will point specifically the Viego Pentakill, which is like Riot Games. I actually, I think, so here's the thing, is there's two sides of the coin. Like, one is, the only thing in that entire sequence of play that I have a problem with um, is the, the second shield bow proc. That's what I find, like, suspicious and wouldn't be surprised if it gets patched out. Because in general, while Viego does get all items, he doesn't get item actives, right? Like, he can't steal a character who has Zhonya's and then Zhonya's, right? And reasonably so, because it would just be disgusting, right? It would be broken. So the fact that he gets that, that passive... Um, that proc is, is kind of weird to me. It's kind of out of place. But otherwise, people are like, oh, my God, Viego's disgusting. And it's like, you guys sound like Bronzy's walking into a Darius, like, being like, how did he kill us all? Why does he heal us? But it's like, of course, it's like the one situation where, like, Viego pops off. It's like if you walk into a Master Yi who's, like, a Duskblade and three levels over you, you know, or super late game and you don't have any cooldowns left, yeah. he's going to kill you. Like, but that's what the champion does. Everything is perfectly balanced in this world, Dracos, where you have the champion which is not balanced at all, but also inspired playing it to pixel perfect perfection. Oh, sure, absolutely. You know, like, I think that he ulted, an R he ulted un to be unstoppable to dodge a Narult. Yep. He, he When he got the Ash, he back-kited and didn't hit intentionally to just drop a few autos and then ult back in. So if you watch it slowly and mechanically, he plays it really well. The champion is slightly OP because inspired two quotes. First of one, I'm Faker. Second quote, thanks Riot Games. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see the balance is perfect. For, for, for sure. Like, I think the character is, is definitely, definitely powerful. I think the most egregious thing is the shield bow thing. And I think if they were like, oh, after watching this clip, we want to take down slightly like how much Viego heals on the passive... I would I would think that that was reasonable, you know what I mean? But I think in general, like, most of this play is Misfits walk into the perfect setup, and this is the thing. This is the trade-off that they made all series long, and part of the reason why I think you would pick Viego over Zin Zhao. Now, Grabs did say in an interview later in the week that he thinks just Viego's in general better, but what we saw, I think, this week is that Zin is yeah. way more impactful early. Obviously, with Crescent Guard, if he gets ahead, he feels like he snowballs fantastically, but the thing about Viego is, again, Master Yi feels like the most apt comparison. At a certain point, if he gets a reset, he gets to do Viego things and you can't stop him. And that's one of like the, the things that I think keeps this champion relevant. 
I, I really think Sinzao is just too strong. Even when you're behind, this champ buys so much time in fights. It's so oppressive in the early game. I think Viego is very situational where if it does happen, you will win. Yeah, if you get a good reset, get a good fight, sure. If it doesn't happen, then really, what, what this is This character champ? looks it, really underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And I think just going back to the playoffs talk in general, before I go back to Rogue Misfits, the cool thing about this whole playoffs was every single series, there was 14 games across three series, which is already yep. Pog Champ. The cool thing about the series was every series, the first game would be a stomp by one team, and then the second game would be a stomp by the other, right? So Rogue would stomp Misfits, then Misfits would stomp Rogue. Uh, Fnatic would stomp Vitality, then Vitality would stomp Fnatic in game two, and the same for G2 Mad. Yep. That was a really cool thing, because all of a sudden, it was two stomps into a best of three, so the, the series was already really interesting. But I think that um, going back to the Misfits versus Rogue one, the first game looked so decisive from Rogue, where, you know, Odo was playing Tamkench top, had no jungle yep. attention, was solo killing Hirid. The whole map was falling apart. Well, he didn't... Okay, so to be clear, he didn't have no jungle attention because the first... Remember, the first, okay, the first, the first gank was, the first top, gank yeah. was top side okay. and... It, it was a kill. And this is okay. part of the reason yeah. why Hirid is going to get flack for the series as much as he's going to get praise for the series is he was absolutely griefing. And it's still unclear to me if he knew what the Tomkench matchup was or if he like had some plan where, mm. like, I've got Narhop... As long as I like Goomba bounce over some guy, I'm gonna be fine. So maybe that's why he wanted to hold yeah, on to I, it. But once Tom Kench is in melee range of you, unless you're burning flash, you're dead. And then good. when Tom Kench is in melee range of you and there's a Zinzao behind you, you're, you're dead. Yeah, I remember I remember that gank was when his wave was pushing into him, right? And then he like walked up to try and farm some of the creeps and he just died. Yeah, I think that was like gank. it was like he and the thing is, Inspired, and this is the game that's especially egregious, but this is a trend for here at the entire time because Inspired literally does this gank every single game in the mm. series. Um, he he hit the Scryer's Bloom. Like, he hit the Scryer's Bloom in enemy jungle. It's like, you know the Zin is there, mm. right? Or even if you don't know, you can be reasonably suspicious and there's not a lot there for you. Like, you could just it's just a good time to back. Yeah, especially when the way he's pushing into you. He could have based, he could have just played it safer, but yeah, anyway. It was a decisive game from Rogue. Sure, absolutely. Really, really clean. Larson, especially, the surprising thing about that game was he was playing Lucian, and I think his Lucian has been really shaky the whole split, but that game was just, like, another level of Lucian. Uh, and then game two was where the curveball came in, and they started blind-picking Camille, and LeBlanc was picked on three. I think they did Camille, Zinzao, LeBlanc, something like yeah, this. Yeah, they got the that one, top two, side. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was unreal to see this top side come out. Um, I think maybe Rogue didn't really expect it. So having won the game, Rogue's adaptation was, well, we'll first pick Camille. And that's when Misfits pick, picked Fiora. And it's a best of three because obviously both teams has one game. Yep. And you're playing Camel into Fiora. To me, this, this game three was the most important game of the whole series because let's imagine a world where Misfits win this game with Fiora into Camille. They've beat you with Camille blind pick and they can counter your Camille. And so now you're really stuck in the mud where it's like, oh, do we ban Camille now? But then what's the counterplay here? Because I think that if, if you can show that you can counter it and blind pick it, then the other team is just screwed. Yeah, and I think the big thing, like, it was very clear that this is top is just really important to me in this entire series because this is where inspired inspired ganks top first every single game in the series. Um, you know, game one is the Nar one, it's successful. Game two, it's the the Camille where he almost gets a kill, and that's really crucial. That's part of the reason why the game two goes in favor of Misfits. They almost kill Hirit, who had flipped it a lot in this series. You know, and most of the time it came up heads, but he definitely flipped. He flipped it a ton. He flipped it just about every single game. He was just like, because again, after game two, when Inspired has done the same gang two times in a row, and you see, or like, you generally know that he's starting with the same pathing again, here it kept walking up. And respect, because in this game, he gets out. In game three, he gets a, a kill. He makes it a one for one. In game four, he gets a kill. He makes it a one for one. So respectable to hear it. But um, yeah, in general, I just feel like I don't want to put it on 
Oda Wamne underperforming. Maybe it's just here at being really good, but that he, that man got away with murder. Like there are so many situations. He hmm. should not have been able to get a one for one in so many of those scenarios, and he just does. And I don't know if that's Oda Wamne maybe being too confident. I don't know if that's inspired. Like I don't know. Something goes wrong there for Rogue. I think Rogue would say, and for sure. I'm sure here it would say, oh, I just outplayed them, you know? And so it's yeah. hard for me to actually break down without looking at each one really, really specifically, like who is who is griefing in that instance. But your Fiora should not be getting a kill and your two-man gank when she's like level four, you know? And it's really frustrating when she does because if Fiora is like winning the 2v1s, it only gets worse and the later the game goes on, especially into Camille. But um, yeah, I actually think here it played good in this series. Ups and downs, but I guess it just shows the strength of the top laners we have in the LEC. Because I think top lane was always the most controversial role where I think Europe I, was always like struggling a little bit here and there. But I think I, but, I, I'm I worried actually for top laners because here it was, I think you both you and I liked here and have liked here yeah. for a while. We thought he's pretty solid. But it's like when we look at the context of top lane as a role, not to get too off topic from this series at hand, but like if here it is beating Odo, who I think felt like undisputed number one and maybe this mm. is definitely not his best series mm -hmm. but he felt like undisputed number one regular season right like we saw adam versus segenda when we talk about fanatic and segenda was winning almost every single matchup part of that's the priority on the renekton for sure but like adam was getting beat around a little bit mm -hmm. so it's like where does how does that rank up because segenda's out now you know what i mean and then we've got wonder who live is kind of living on tank duty I feel right like now. wonder is being done dirty a little bit no but i mean but like yeah yeah my, i agree my point isn't that the, the, like I, our I top laners are bad my yeah. point my point is is like i'm not i don't think top laners are very strong right now but it's yeah. not like the names are there and the history is there for me to believe in guys like wonder and odawamne but the most recent series we saw were like not not great yeah you know i can see your point i can see your point that maybe top lane yeah Okay, I can see it. Yeah, because only... like, like think back to like previous years where it was like, and a lot of these guys were on the way out, but like mm. when we had really strong top five top laners, and I won't say that this always translated internationally, but it was like Cabochard, Vizichachi, Wonder and Peak, Oduwamne playing well. Like one of our best performing top laners isn't even playoffs this season. That's Broken Blade. Yep. You know what I mean? Like hands down one of the best for sure. Uh-huh. So top lane's weird right now in EU is generally how I feel because there's so many rookie names, there's so many new names, and there's... um. Right now, also, guys like Wonder and Odawamne, I don't think had the best series this weekend. Yeah, and I think the fully-fledged carry, to use that word, top laner left in playoffs is here. I think yeah. Odawamne is happy to play, you know. Uh, I think the biggest thing it comes down to is what side selection you are. And I think the cool thing is Misfits always chose red side, right? And Rogue yep. always chooses blue side. G2 always chooses blue side. Mad Lions always chooses red side. So, G2 and Rogue... Choosing blue side, I think blind pick tops with Otto Amne and Wunder, they like to play like Tom Kench top blind, Mundo yep. top blind, where it seems like Misfits would really struggle to blind pick these champions or, or Mad Lions. If you Armut or Hirit have to blind pick, I already worry for that team in the best of five because Armut wants to counter pick top with his, you know, yeah, so here's off meta picks. And, and but this is this is the thing is I would have agreed with you hundred percent going into playoffs, but this is what makes this weekend one, if if you watch this weekend, so many weird games. And if you feel weird about the games, despite how cool and incredible they are, I, I totally reasonable because here it did blind pick Camille and it worked. So the there red is side that option. Pick Camille, yeah. The red side blind pick Camille and forced Rogue to burn their first pick on blue side on Camille multiple games in a row, mm -hmm. which is crazy. And the other thing is going into this weekend, I know you and I and Vettius, we were all prepping for this TriCast. I was convinced, even after the week eight performance, that Armut was going to struggle. But the man played. We callers are like, "Wow, he's got you know a tiny champion pool. His laning's bad. Like it's going to be tough." Yes, his team fighting's good. His laning was fine. His champion pool was as tiny as ever. He played all the champs he normally plays. Gwen being the only one that's been added in recent, you know, this season. And uh, he was he was a monster. But I, I, he obliterated. 
I, I don't know. Are we going to G two Mad series? Yeah, now? let's let's transition. Let's transition. Because I really think this series has a lot to unpack. Uh, just to go off your point, I think Armut kind of got away with murder in these drafts. The fact that he, <laughs> yeah, he did, but how does it? How does it keep? I mean, away with the it? the game one and two, I can see it because the first game, um, Tom Kench was blinded. He picked Gwen and Wundu did fine, right? And he didn't really get ahead. This Gwen, the whole yep. map was falling apart anyway. They, to be fair, they did try. The difference, because game two, they tried again, right? But game yeah. one, the big difference is they try to play for top and play around the Gwen and set it up, and they fail or do not feel comfortable, rather, going for the dive yeah. on Wonder. And uh, that's a big that's a big thing. I'll be honest. I think game one, as much as I would... As much as I hate saying this, I think game one, Mad Lions just kind of lost that game in draft. I think there's really nothing you can do. You're playing double AP solo laners against Tam Kench LeBlanc. One of them is a global, so you can't go onto either of them. In any time that you invest to try and get this Gwen ahead, which is your only priority lane to dive the Tam Kench, you're going to lose way too much on the other side of the map. Yeah. You have a losing jungler, losing bot lane, a losing mid in isolation, especially with jungle ganks involved. So your only real win condition for Mad Lions is get Gwen ahead. But even then, if Gwen's ahead against Varus, Braum, LeBlanc, she can't really carry. And when you try and get her ahead, you're going to lose on two lanes. So I really think that this draft was really, strong, really, really I, weak for Mad Lions. I completely agree. And I think like the clearest indication of that is just the first three picks from G2 versus the first three picks from Mad Lions, especially based on what we saw in the first. I mean, Varus, Zin, LeBlanc. Like, Zin, LeBlanc already one of the most, if not the most impressive jungle mid duo we have right now. Yeah. And then you have Ezreal, Lee Sin, Twisted Fate. Now, I understand Ezreal's rising in the meta, but in general, I find this champ pretty underwhelming. And while Twisted Fate can be good, it's like, where does your your early game plan is Lee Sin Twisted Fate and you're going to take a 2v2 into Zinzal LeBlanc? Like, that feels that feels hard. Like, you're going to try to get the Twisted Fate out of lane against the LeBlanc who's probably going to be able to cold push against I, you? Like, this just feels so difficult for them to do anything. I will say, though, um, if you look at game one and comp contrast to game three where you're like, well, they're playing Twisted Fate Estral again. I think the main difference is bot lane's not losing as hard. Top lane's winning in isolation and jungle matchups more skewed to your side. Yep. And they don't have as much kill pressure in mid onto the TF. And... Then you could see, even though they were losing the game, which I think that G2's dra draft is naturally going to get ahead early because of the champs, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they're losing the early game, when TF got Rapid Fire Everfrost, the way they shut down this LeBlanc with this TF counterpick was LeBlanc dashes in, TF ults on her after she's W'd forwards, hits a stun card with Rapid Fire because she tries to dash away with yep. only one dash. Ezreal ult with Everfrost Q auto attack, he dies. She dies. LeBlanc dies. So the Ezreal ult facilitates enough damage to kill the LeBlanc because she's glass cannon and that's so what she needs to be. And this is really, it's good that you bring this up because I think one of the, the, the stark differences between that game one and that game three is also the significance of a Braum pick. Like people underestimate, I think, the value of Braum specifically into Ezreal and Pro. But one thing that you see in game three, right? Game one, they just dive bot and bot can't do anything. And a big part of that in my eyes is because Ezreal cannot alt, and admittedly some of these dives come in pre-level 6, so it's not as important, but Ezreal can't alt to clear the wave. Ezreal Q can't hit the target that it needs to hit. So much of his actual effective threat and his ability to wave clear or play weak side, as was clearly intent with Mad Lions because they're ganking top, it just can't exist because of Braum. But in contrast, in game 3, G2 have to spend so many resources just trying to stop Ezreal from ever being in a position to comfortably alt, and when he finally does, the wave is gone and the dive is essentially dead. Now also... Karzi and Kaiser play it very well. They're very mobile. They have the Rakan and the um, the Ezreal together. But I just think like that that difference alone, on top of like yes, the rest of the draft is much more balanced overall. Um, game game four rather no game three yeah game three game three. Mm -hmm. um, I think that like those little things like really add up and really matter because the effective the effective dive from G two was way worse with Tristan and Nautilus than it was against Ezreal Rakan than it was in game one when they had. 
um, you know, Brom Varus with a with a Zin Zhao coming in up against an Ezreal and a Leona who just couldn't yeah. couldn't really do anything to punish. So I think that's the stark contrast between game one and three. Um game four was really the most confusing one to me. Um I think what you can apply here is similar to the Rogue Misfit series where is Zinzao just really broken? I think that Mad Lion started to learn that Zinzao is just OP the the longer this series went on. Um, Wait, game four or game? Are you talking about game three or game four? Because game four is the Lee San Diego game where Zin just doesn't exist. Game four? Yeah, what are you talking? Which game are you talking about? What's so I'm talking about the series in general. How I think Zinzao oh, is just really yeah, OP. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Zinzao um, is really OP. I agree. I think Zinzao in game in this first series and second series was just really strong. Uh, the game four draft really confused me. Uh, that's what I was going to get onto. Okay, now I got it. Okay, okay. I lost, you lost me, but I get you now. Okay. The thing that I was really confused with the game four was the uh, Jace blind pick because they invest in NAR ban on the one, two, three, and I can understand why they're banning NAR, but Jace counters NAR in the first place, right? But I can understand it's armored. Then in the second phase, they ban away Malphite, and the second we saw the Malphite in the draft, we knew that they were blind picking Jace. But then you're blind picking Jace into a Wukong player, 12 games of Wukong. The only loss of Wukong he's had the whole year is against RNG. He's won every single other Wukong game, picking it into yep. Nar and Jace most of the time. And there's also, and keep in mind, Viego Jungle, so it's double AD topside. Double AD topside. And remember, big key thing here, if you don't a Wukong player, Wukong's passive gives him health regen and it gives him armor. And it's a lot of freaking armor. So yep. like killing this guy when he has a few levels and he's got enough health from Divine Sunderer is really actually very, very difficult. Yeah, it is. And their only AP damage is caps on, on Syndra. And this Wukong's not being picked like I think in the, I think in the TSM is it TSMTL? Yeah, it was TSMTL yep. where Shuni picked Wukong, where you've got like insane mid jungle prio, mm -hmm. where they can move top. I think they had Syndra Trundle or something like this, where they can actually move top and force this Wukong off every single wave. If you want to see how Jason to Wukong works and how it should work, check out that TSMTL game. I think it was game three, maybe something like this. Um, they shut down Huni's Wukong really well, stacking waves top. Mid jungle moves up and stops them. The problem is, G2 couldn't do that because this jungle matchup. It's not like a trundle that you're playing. You're playing a Viego, so he just needs a full clear. Um, and they don't have any kill pressure on this Wukong. On top of that, El Yoya was first to top. And going back to my first point, this Wukong is being picked in a teamfight comp. It's not just any random comp with like, I don't know, a TF lane or something where you're playing over sides. This is a full-on teamfight comp and the enemy team has Syndra Tristana. So if this Jace is not incredibly far ahead, it's going to be a teamfight game. Yeah, and it also forces teamfights where essentially if you want to win the teamfight when Wukong does get ahead, as we saw, was very difficult to do. One, you have to find the Wukong before the fight happens, which is already so incredibly hard when the enemy team is starting to win. Like, once you start to lose against the comp, it feels pretty impossible. But even then, like, Caps had to try to ult, like, any fight that G2 wanted to win, Caps is the only person who could kill Wukong. Yeah. Because all Arma did, you just go, so you just go start going more and more armor. You go Ninja Tabby, you know, you get your Divine Sunderer, Starax, yep. and then literally the only person on the enemy team who can kill you reliably before you get to alt twice in a fight is is Syndra. And this game was just, honestly, from, from my perspective, kind of hard to watch because if you're watching it as a G2 fan, I would say, because I think Mad played very, very well. But once G2 fell behind, there was just so many like big desperation plays. Like I think people will probably look back at Mickey's performance and be like, oh, Mickey kind of griefed it. But I think like two of the engages where Mickey dies, um, he's like just trying to bail his team out. He's trying to get him out. And like the last one near the blue, one of the last ones in the game near... Uh, g2 side blue where mm -hmm. they get rallied into their own side or back no mad side blue where they get rallied back and on a tier t or there's a tp under the tier two and they yep. get flanked yeah he like tries to go in but the thing is is like matter just so ludicrously far ahead at that point in the game that they all have flash up and can just 
afford to flash the rail engage and then just win the fight anyway. Yeah, and I think a lot of people also said that Wunder had a terrible series, but I think that looking back on it, what realistically do people want from Wunder? You know, you're picking you're picking early bot lane, right? You're picking early Tristanas or Varuses to get a winning bot, and you're making sure you can last late pick support or early pick support to get the strongest bot lane possible with jungle first pick, of course. So top lane's not really being prioritized, not like Misfits, so they go Camille's in Zao Blanc, right? Second of all, Wunder has to blind pick every single game top lane. He is blind picking top every game, no matter what. Yep. Third one is, two out of four of these games, the enemy team has Twisted Fate. So even if he does want to counter pick top or play a carry top, he's automatically in a losing situation because TF can always ult top, right? Play so side, it's yeah. really, really difficult. So I can see why Wunder's playing Tom Kench. And as much as I, like fans of G2, want Wunder on a carry, similar to 2019 G2, where... He gets a pentakill on Rise. Caps gets a pentakill on Akali. It's a G2 uh, IG, IG rookie in the shy where they're 2v5ing at Barons, 2v5ing at Bot and Hibs, yep. just winning through lane phase, pike top, having fun. As much as I would want to see that too, I think the problem is they're playing for bot lane, it feels like, nowadays. It's hard to counter pick top if you're playing blue side most of the time as well. And TF being meta is really difficult if well, they're not high prioritizing it. Yeah, and I don't think, like, outside of even, even Rogue the team that normally we'd expect to be the team that's just going to draft three winning lanes and pressure you out and just build an early game lead and like never let you back in, right? Even they, like weak, weak side to me feels almost like like this law right now in the current meta. Not in the sense that it's not always there, but in the sense that like every team that we saw play, you know, like Odo has played a lot of carries this entire season. They put him on Tom Kench. They literally sacked him so they could play bot. G2 sacked Wonder so they yeah, could play bot lane. Fine, right? Playing to bot is fine. And uh, Misfits were more set up to, actually don't know. Because <laughs> technically, here it got ganked every single game on top side, and bot lane for Misfits didn't do much other than survive. I guess they played bot to help bot lane survive a little bit. I, don't, I can't really entirely remember what Razor did, but like, we haven't really seen any team. Like, teams are just good enough now that you can't. One of your players, whatever side you have that is weak side, that person will get dove. Whether that dive will be successful or not is obviously a discussion, but like, that person will get dove. So you can't just pick, you know, you can't always just pick Jason Prey. Because that Jace is vulnerable and to the TA. You can think about G2 when Windows picking GP in the last end of the, the split where he's getting dove a lot. Um, and he's the one kind of struggling a lot. And I think GP was banned a lot of the times on 4-5 as much was, as GP yep. is a great blind pick into TF. This was banned out the majority of the time. So you're really running out of options. Um, but I think game one showed us that G2, if they get their hands on like an incredibly strong early game, Zinzal, Varus, Braum, that was clean. diving bot. And we both said it. That's the best game G2's played all year. It was incredibly clean. So playing through bot definitely works for them. But when they start playing things like Tristana, Rel, Viego, and things like this, it becomes a lot harder to dive bot, especially when Mickey's getting now counterpicked on support, where they get Braum into melee supports and now you yep. can't dive bot. So... Um, and then the only game Wunder was on a carry, it's a, it's a losing teamfight matchup and he's the one getting jungle attention from the enemy jungle and his mid jungle can't stack waves for, uh, mid and come top and dive. So and then, Yeah, and that's also just such a nightmare comp to play because again, you've got a Braum on the enemy team who's going to mitigate some of your initial pokes for both the Syndra and the Jace. You've got Ash on the enemy team, so if you ever full commit, if you ever try to go in with hammer combo and you don't kill someone, you're never going to get out, you're never going to die. Into a gravity field, into, into a, chaos a gravity storm, field, into kick, chaos storm, Wukong, like, there's a Wukong, like there's just... Yeah. Because the thing about Jace that I love, right? I love watching Jace games where he like dominates early and then it's kind of more quiet in the mid game, maybe he pokes a bit. But then you always have those team fights where he's got three items, he finds a flank, he like procs hyper, swaps into hammer form, and just like one taps an 80 carry. Yep. Like I love watching that. It always makes me be like, oh yeah, Jace can be this really powerful character. But that's just not, it's not possible against yeah. the Mad Lions composition. So for me, it's really hard to pinpoint what's going wrong with G2. And I want to stop before I continue that. 
down that rabbit hole and say massive props to Mad Lions. I think they had a great series. The comeback in game two was great. By game four, it felt like the series was already won from the first five minutes of the yeah. game when they're laughing and stuff and having fun. The only small misstep was game one, and I think that was draft. So before I continue on down this G2 rabbit hole, I think Mad Lions look great. I think even... It was the upset. Yeah, I think upset predicted Mad Lions to win, perhaps, against uh, Rogue in PGL. He wasn't sure because he thinks Rogue is a really good team, but Mad Lions might win. So I think Rogue Mad Lions is going to be stacked. Um, just we, going, what do you want to say? I was going to say, I just like shout out to Armand, shout out to Humanoid finding those TF kills. Like, shout out to also all of the teams this weekend, real quick before we go any further, for trusting your players. The amount of times we saw teams lose yeah. a matchup in one game and then they repick the game. That's insanity, because let's be honest, I'd be up here calling you a freaking griefer if you kept running yeah. back the same matchup and losing. Like, this is not H2K Splice 2015 where we're just going to play GP NAR five games in a row. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're getting memed if you keep doing it and it keeps not working. Yeah, the Gwen time, I think Misfits had something similar as well where they were just kept going topside no matter what, even though it fell apart. Yep. Um, it was like a ping pong of just topsides falling apart in that series. Um, it's really hard for me to find what's wrong with G2 because as much as they had great individual performances in that series from players like Jankos on uh, the f first couple of games, Caps as well throughout the whole series, I think was the best performing player on G2. Reckless seemed pretty reliable uh, in every single game, but just felt like nothing came together for the team apart from that game one. From that point onwards, yes, game three, they had a lead, but then it started to slow down. It felt like Caps was the only one trying to force things on LeBlanc. Well, um, yeah, it just felt disjointed. Yeah, it didn't feel... Disjointed is a good word. Because I think the contrast when you saw Mad and Control, Mad were really good at doing a lot of things. They were good at forcing fights. They all felt like they were on the same page when they were setting up for objectives. They were trying crazy stuff like the Fog of War traps, like we saw that ultimately caught Reckless in that final game. Like, it was just... It was a nice like blend you just got a lot of different cool team play moments that came together because everyone was doing the right thing whereas like we saw a lot of individual moments for g2 as you highlighted again the mickey x engages where he's like maybe going in on his own or there's no and that might be maybe mickey's griefing there or maybe the team's not in a position to follow up i'm not sure but you had a lot of the moments where mickey's diving in and no one's following up and you had yeah. a lot of moments where caps is trying to make plays and no one's following up and outside of that game one it never felt like the most like g2 didn't feel like they were matching the team play of mad lions was what i noticed yeah, and I think that a cool example that you can look at to just find that stark contrast was that game three when Mad Lions like forced this Baron, G2 pushed them off, and then G2 looked kind of disjointed. I think that's a good word, where Reckless is running to Dragon to get the third Ocean Dragon. I think Yankos goes to push Midwave. Uh, everyone was hovering around, not really knowing what to do. And then Mad Lions is a team, everyone TP's back. They're going bot side, everyone start Nash. Really cool turn on the caps. Um, and yeah. Fog of War flash over the wall, gold card. Oof. So it's really hard for me um, to just pinpoint like, oh, this player is having a bad series or this is not coming together well in this lane or early game, mid game, late game. Because I think that there's just so many small things that are happening that add up to something big, which is a lot of intangibles where the team is just not clicking. Yeah. And I don't know if it's communication. I don't know if it's behind the scenes. I don't know if it's things that we don't see. But for me, something is going on with G2. Um, but I will say, I still believe... Now, this is not because of G2 biased or anything like this, but just watching this series, I still think that we haven't seen the real G2 in playoffs yet. Um, I think that the drafting was weak. The way they were playing the game was kind of weak in the mid to late, and their macro was just a bit off uh, in terms of decision-making. But I think there's still more, because every if you ask every pro player, even Inspired, on I think it was on PGL after they won against Misfits, he said Jankos is in incredible form, like 
I think that yeah. G2 is going to take this series. Mad Lions is only going to win one game if they're lucky and they cheese it. That was his words, right? So there must be something going on with G2 in scrims where they're they're in form and they're good. It's just it's not, not translating to stage yet. So that's, that's I, the kind of evidence I have to pinpoint that. Yeah, and I think that it's very clear based on that feedback and also based on the fact that both these teams were perma blue side that Rogue and G2 were probably scrimming each other. Also, their opinion on the um, Viego Zinzao hierarchy um grabs came out and said he just felt like viego's the better chamber i i kind of think that's wrong now i haven't seen the scrim games but i think we talked about it already so i'm wondering like maybe i i think no matter what happens i expect g2 to play better next week and that's the thing and that's one thing yep. that you can trust g2 to do regardless of if you love them or hate them like they learn from their losses and they usually adapt pretty quickly now that said i'm not in the same camp as you i don't believe that there's like a mystical peak g2 that we've yet to see i think it's more like can they get can they get back to that peak? Not like there's some some peak that they've been hitting in scrims that we're not seeing as the public. I, I still think that it's like, I don't think it's a sure thing. That's what I mean. Like, I, I feel like... And that's understandable because, I mean, the whole year long, the whole it's year never has really just been a sure thing. And, and how many times are we going to say, like, it's still G2? And it is still G2. And they're going to get that benefit of the doubt until they really crash and burn. And not going to Worlds would be crashing and but burning. But I think that G2 built up a legacy over the last couple of years of being the most dominant team in Europe where it's like, they are the best team undisputed They've had happy little games and they've had happy little games throughout whole loads of regular seasons and playoffs and falling to losers bracket and it's memes, but they're still G2 yeah. and they're still going to make it and they're still the best. I think personally, if they bomb out this split and they don't make worlds, um, it's it's easy I, to say that G2 is not G2 anymore, right? Well, and then the question becomes, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I, I think that they will... I would expect at that point changes to come into the roster. And I don't know what those changes need to be, but that would be my expectation. And maybe they keep the same roster. And if they keep the same roster, they certainly are going to have to earn that pedigree back after a year of failure. And if they change the roster, they're going to have to earn that pedigree back on the basis that there's new players. So to me, short of this, this, this last, what could potentially be the last week for G2 here is really really big yeah i think there's a bar and g2 has always been above that bar and you're like yeah the bar for g2 is like they're probably gonna win the split or at least come second they're gonna go to worlds probably yeah. they're gonna get out of groups well, they might just, make it to semis you, you know trust this inner this era of g2 not beginning g2 who's obviously the domestic dominant but just griefed it internationally but you trust 2019 onward g2 with two things and that's doing doing well internationally or three things dominating domestically and losing to chinese teams more likely than not <laughs> okay you know you know what i mean like that's like uh, that is what it is and you know i hope that they can overcome that hurdle but the the big thing is is they're not dominating domestically anymore and if we don't get to see them internationally regardless of how you want to speculate about their performances like the third thing that the, the lpl teams thing is not a positive right it's just a nice meme in the grand and scheme there's of four things. of them this time around yeah um so that's hard it's hard to keep giving g2 that benefit of the doubt if they yeah. if they miss worlds if they um, get knocked out early in playoffs to sequential seasons in a row and they're good players they played for a long time if we look back at this year as a rough year you know that would not surprise me but this could also be the end of an era you know and that's that's kind of a, a crazy thought when i think most of the reason that we as european fans have gotten used to having high expectations at international events is because of g2 and not to discredit what splice and Fnatic did in 2019 they both also had fantastic runs but like even in 2020, Fnatic had a great run, yeah. almost taking down top esports, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Solid in, in 2020 as well. Um, I don't want to discredit that, but G2 always felt like the torchbearers. They always felt like the ones leading the pack. You know what I mean? They were the ones... But, you know, dude, okay, hear me out. The amount of hype around this roster at the start of the year was unreal. Even sure. I was excited. 
Of course, who wouldn't be? Look now at there's the a names. world where on Sunday, I know this is said before, that we were going to have G2 and Fnatic against each other for a world spot, okay? Or G2 Misfits, yeah. But... Or G2 Misfits, right? But there's a world where you can get G2 Fnatic. And the irony that it's Reckless versus Fnatic for a final world spot, looking at the whole year long, is crazy. Absolutely nuts. Storylines. The storylines are juicy. People, Maybe people are going to get tired of storylines, but they're just too juicy. Um, speaking of Fnatic, let's talk about Fnatic, because we've been yeah. kind of glossing over them. Um not because we don't want to talk about them, just because there's so many exciting storylines. so fun. The series, <laughs> but I think fun is the best word for that series. I think that series was all over the freaking place. Yeah. After game, so again, this was a series that I think similar to the Rogue Misfit series, you expect it to be one-sided because I think pretty much in everyone's eyes coming into the series, the teams are very similar uh, in, in how they like to play the game, not like where they put their focus, but in that they're both very scrappy. They both take a lot of fights. And if there's any criticism against these teams, it's usually that they... They, they always take fights, right? For better or for worse, the double-edged sword of always taking fights. Now, after game one, Diana Yasuo, uh, self-made, playing like a monster. Whippo mechanically good on that least in the first game, but self-made just absolutely hard carrying the early game. Yeah. I was sweating. I thought I was like, hell no, no way, no way, no way, no way. But similar to every other series, as you highlighted, game two, we get the cheeky run back with some slight adjustments. You know, the funny fanatic. thing is, before I continue, yeah. game one and two had almost the exactly the same game time as one another, which is crazy. Where Fnatic win in like 24 minutes, 13 seconds, Vitality win in 24 minutes, 8 seconds. And then it's like, oh my God, it's a best of three now. And they're both <laughs> stomping each other into the ground. And on the analyst desk, I remember we were calling it the boxing match, you know, where round yeah. one went to Fnatic round two and Vitality, absolute KOs across the board. Um Dude, I loved Vitality's plan coming into the first game. Just slamming Renekton and Diana Yasuo on the first three and taking Zyra Khan to prevent any defensive play. Yeah. It worked like a charm. But then the adaptability from Fnatic came in, taking Zyra Khan away and using it for themselves, playing Mordekaiser weak side, and then transitioning to Ezreal when Zyra Khan was taking away. I think the way they played defensively was great. Um, and I think that, honestly, Selfmade had one of the best series I've ever seen from a jungler in terms of how much raw carry potential came out of him. I think he had, in their wins, like 92% KP. Those games where he had like 900 DPM. He had like yeah. a f like 27 kills, two deaths over those two games or something. I don't know what it was. But uh, yeah, he, he almost broke Fnatic um, single-handedly, I think. Um, yeah, it was crazy to watch. Yeah, I think this series was... Like, as it got into the thick of it, it got, I mean, progressively... A lot of these games were ludicrously one-sided, you know? Just, like, one team snowballs the early game and then just obliterates it. No more than in game one and two, though. It certainly wasn't... Those were the most <laughs> most explosive games. But I think you could see that when it came down to it, Fnatic... I won't, I won't say pound for bound had better players because I do think that Segenda probably had a better series than Adam. I think that Adam was kind of quiet this one. I debate, well, I think that... Both of them had their ups and downs where you have Shigenda yeah. who gets like great triple kills in game one, but then he's losing lane. And then the Mordekaiser pick was good. And then the Kennen pick was good. But then you have the Jace pick where he was getting a lot of resources, but Adam still solo killed him. So it was a lot of back and forth in top. Um, yeah. 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 It was a back and forth series. So I wouldn't say that like that was like clear head and shoulders, but the bot, there was a, a very bot clear was... bot diff. Yeah. There was a big fatty bot diff. There was such a fatty bot diff that we got what I would call an ego pick of Aphelios Morgana in game four, which um, shout out to Upset. I hope you enjoyed your stats padding. It definitely <laughs> doesn't help your win-loss record, but, you know, an extra like 40 CS positive to his name, um, which we thought, because when we saw this draft, and I think you guys did this draft on the analyst desk, this is the thing, and I'll say this again. Hillisang is a great Morgana. Back in the early days of Hillisang, when supports only played Morgana Thresh, Hillisang was the man who had a skill shot like no other. Today, 
in League of Legends. Hillisang is one of, if not the best playmaking support in the league. Mm-hmm. Morgana can't make plays. So there are, there is very few things in this world I find more sad as someone who's watched Hillisang for years than watching him walk into mid lane, full speed, put black a black put a, put a black shield on himself. And then see that there are minions and realize he can't throw binding. That is depressing. Yeah, I remember those one team fight in mid where he just like flash holds the ash and black shields himself while upsets getting dove on. <laughs> it was so funny to see. Yeah. But I think the Morgana pick makes sense into Rakan, of course. You're gonna win lane. Sure, and sure, they did absolutely. win lane. But I think that they were winning lane every game no matter what, because of the way the game was being played. And it was like this split map of upset takes bot tower, Shigenda takes top tower, but by that time self-made was just so accelerated to the point where it was four row, leader was ahead, Shigenda yeah. was ahead, and so just, Aphelios ain't living. I just, uh, yeah, again, I think that Aphelios is an insanely strong champion, and if he gets going, he can do work. But I think in this series, where both teams, it feels like regardless of draft, or just be drafting because of the players they have, are diving face first into you, like, I just don't, think you get to live as Aphelios. And there's a world where you're far enough ahead of the clock and you get to spin in a circle with the red gun and you like kill everybody and you're like 200 years giga OP. Mm. But like the fact the fact that that didn't happen even when they had like an 80 CS lead or whatever in bottom, that's a bit hyperbolic, but it was huge. They had a massive individual advantage for um for upset. Just makes me hope that Fnatic don't do this because they tried Morgana Ezreal. And it didn't work yep. in the regular season. And I was just like, please, 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 please. Because while, yes, setting up upset to carry is great and he is one of your strongest individual players, like in this series, and I think in a series against a lot of the top teams, like Hillisang's ability to make plays and start fights, I think is one of the most important strengths of this Fnatic team. Especially like that game two was a friggin' montage. Like the Rakan Lee Sin combo, Hillisang, but yeah, the other Star was great. So. Yeah, just like it was. Was Had it, a few int moments, but that's classic killing. Yeah, for sure. You get you get the good with the bad. Um, the good, I mean, he died much less on Morgana. So if that's like, if yeah. your biggest concern is Hillisang dying, sure, put him on Morgana. But that's not my concern. My biggest thing is Hillisang not stunning four people or finding clutch engages or finding yeah. flanks. Because him on a range support in any form, Morgana or otherwise, I just feel like is such a loss for Fnatic. Yeah, and I think that game three was one of the big ones where they played Estral Alistar into Aphelios Lulu and they have no no right to win this lane and they should be behind but Whippo Niski got the bot dive came in and then the upset uh Estril is unleashed on the map and I think that you could see the bots was the main carry point for Fnatic you know they didn't really yep. play through top that much they kind of picked Adam weak side the majority of the game um by picking Mordekaiser or uh Dr. Mundo and playing through bot and it worked I think game five especially Fnatic's game plan was amazing it was great um you know, picking Trundle into Lee Sin, early jungle prio, blind picking the Brown with Esriel to make sure you have a winning bot lane into the Varus. I think the Alistar pick could have been better, could have gone from maybe a range support there from, from Vitality to counter it to, to get some bot push. But then level one invade bot side, force them out, get first blood bot because they're trying to crash the first wave. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Okay, yes, but also Vitality were griefing there. Okay, well, the thing is, a lot of people might think Vitality were inting in the bot lane there, but you have two options, right? If you're a Varus Alistar, you see them on your red at 131, so they're slightly late. Sure. Option number one, similar to what G2 did, one-shot that bot wave. You know, Varus Q, Alistar Q, just kill the that's wave what they try, That's what they try to do. Which is what they try right. to do. Which, if they got, would be amazing. The whole bot lane of Upset Hillisang loses an entire wave, and your split map on means they don't get XP, which means it's really hard for you to dive. The second argument is, well, don't walk up to the wave, just last hit max range. If they do this, they're going to get pushed in, three waves are going to stack, and they're going to get dove. Braum is going to dive them, Alistar will be level one, Varus will be level one, and maybe it would be even worse than what happened because three wave stack, TFTB's yeah. in, four man dive, sure. two dead. I think 
everything's lost. The most, the only thing that really sucked there is because they they obviously go with the first play. They try to they try to shove, but I think the thing is, if you're LeBron in that interest in that instance, I think that, and I would need to watch the play back to be hundred percent sure here. But what I remember is essentially like he he flashes there, and I think at that point yeah. you just have to accept that you're dead. Yeah, I think I think that, I think bad. because once you burn your flash, you're basically doomed to die again against the Brom the Trundle Gank. Because without flash, Trundle Pillar comes behind you, Brom is in front of you. There's an Ezreal there too. You're just dead. You're and screwed. And I think there's two things you can say, right? I think the, the Alistair flash, I remember watching it yesterday. If he flashed the brown Q, he would live because the slow is what hurt him. Then the yeah. pillar came in. But that's a very minute thing to look at in, in hindsight in a way. But then the second thing is, is the Alistair pick even worth it? Like against Brown Trundle, it feels really hard. Especially like Brown Trundle for Alistair is already really hard because Trundle ult, the pillar, the brown, it's really countering Alistair. And then the third thing on top of everything is an Ezreal. How do you combo an Ezreal in the yeah. first place? So the Alistair pick seems really off to me. So it was really a lose-lose for, for Vitality's bot lane from the start of the game since Fnatic invaded. Yeah, and I think bot, the bot difference definitely showed in this series, both because Fnatic were willing to play there and because I think Upset and Hill was saying are arguably our, our strongest bot lane. And that's something we're going to keep our eyes on as we look ahead to the future series. That said, uh, that's going to do it for our recap. Now we're going to get into our interview section of the show. We're going to be talking to Karzi and Larson back to back. We'll get their thoughts on the series coming up and more. Let's hop into it. It's my distinct pleasure now to welcome none other than Mad Lions bot laner, 80 carry. I don't know. Marksman? Marksman? Marksman. Marksman. Premier Marksman. Karzi to the show. Karzi, you're coming, in, you're coming in victorious. And I'll be honest, ranged carry, you're uh, you're coming in victorious. I predicted G2 to win. And I feel, and not only because I rap for them in a rap battle, um, which we they have now since lost. Um, but the good news is our boy Cadrill here predicted mad. He was confident. He believed yeah, in the boys. I knew it. He believed in you. <laughs> I knew Carsey would do it. Um, were you guys initial impressions from the series? We've talked, obviously, to a lot of the different members of Mad Lions uh, on PGL, etc. But initial impressions on the series, were you guys surprised with how it looked very, I guess I want to say, is it looked very dominant there from our outside of the game one where you guys got blasted. It looked like Mad Lions and game three, which was very close. But game four, it looks like a victory lap. Like, were you guys surprised that it was so easy for you to to beat G2? Did it feel as easy for you as it looked on the outside for us there in, like, that final game, that game four? Yeah, it felt pretty easy. And I think that the draft in game four was already hard won for us. So it wasn't that hard to play. Nice. Yes. Yeah, you had, like, this it, team fight comp right into the Jace Syndra. Uh, yeah. We had Wukong into Jace. Which we have, which is Armut Wukong, so you cannot disrespect that. It's true, we've learned that. <laughs> Ninja Wonder God kinda clapped. So yeah, after Wonder God clapped, I was sure we are gonna win. Yeah, I mean it was certainly worked out well. And obviously now you guys get to play Rogue this week coming up. I wanna hold that topic though for a little bit and I would love to get your perspective on the teams that that aren't mad lions. I'd love to know what you think of the lower bracket teams. Specifically we have Fnatic versus Misfits. The winner of that is, of course, going to play G2 for the final, final world slot. What's your read on the playoffs teams other than you and Rogue right now? Who do you think is actually strong? What do you think we can actually take away from, from the other series that happened this weekend? Hmm. I mean, Misfits Rogue kind of surprised me. I thought that it's going to be fast throw for a Rogue, but Misfits proved that they're worth some good games. Like, they fought really well, and... In the game they won, they were playing quite well. So I was surprised. So I think that Misfits have good chance of beating Fnatic, to be honest. And I still think that G2 are going to take it and are going to be the third seed for Worlds. So 
yeah, I don't have much hopes for Fnatic. Is it because of the Fnatic Vitality series that the hope has kind of dissipated? Was that the first kind of instinct thought? Um, I mean, it's also the end of the regular split and also the Vitality series, to be honest. Mm. Like, they were looking super shaky. What also, is... there is like the situation with COVID, which is not helping them. So it yeah, must be really yeah. hard on them. True. What What was it specifically about the Fnatic series that looked kind of shaky to you? Because obviously we, we have our own thoughts. We talked about it a little bit before we got you here. But what was it that was like that stood out to you as particularly particularly bad or particularly like uh, kind of, let's say, sketchy? I mean, I think that Fnatic can only win if they're really ahead in the early game against the better teams. And if they don't get ahead, then they will just slowly lose or completely lose. Hmm. So I think there is like a really small percentage chance of them winning against G2 or the Rogue. Do you feel like for G2, Rogue and Mad Lions that you guys are like the only teams left that can like really, really find like a comeback win? Or do you think Misfits is in that list too of teams that can of that can really mm -hmm. come back in, in losing early games? And I don't think that Fnatic can... I mean, I at least don't remember seeing them win from a losing position, to be honest, against one of the better teams. Mm -hmm. G2 can for sure find a win, even though they are behind, and Rogue. I mean, Rogue are never behind, right? They are always losing when they are ahead, so it's hard to say. Yeah, I guess let's let's shift focus then, uh, then to the Rogue series, because this one's really interesting to me, because... Um... Obviously, you guys beat G2 pretty, what well, felt pretty handedly to me, obviously, a 3-1 series. Rogue went to five games against Misfits, and like you, I think we all expected a, a quick 3-0 for Rogue. Um, but this series, again, what makes this series so interesting to me is that while you guys did win the split, and last season you uh, really stomped G2 in that series, I feel like you and Kaiser specifically were getting blasted last finals. Like, you guys were getting, you guys had a really tough time of it. I don't know what your read is on the series. I would love to know your thoughts on that, like, are you? How do you feel about specifically your bot lane matchup up against Rogue this time around? Because it it felt really hard last time you guys played Rogue in the finals. I mean, I think that we were <laughs> we were drafting ourselves hard losing bot lane matchups most of the times, and then we were still trading and trying to play aggro even though we were just supposed to lose the matchup. So I think that's the big reason. That's one of the big reasons. I mean, Hansen was playing really well in the early game during the finals, but still, I think that it came mostly to the draft. If you if you remember the first series against Rogue, mm -hmm. like we were we were playing better matchups, but and the series looked a bit easier, and we were winning both. So, mm -hmm. and then in the fifth, um, in the finals, we were playing Kaiser Akan into Senatam. I don't know if you ever played this matchup on both. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not nice <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i totally I, I get that it's interesting that you feel like it's a draft thing well we did see you guys play weak side pretty much i think every game actually against g2 in this series for the most part at least in the in game one and game three you guys played the um you played ezreal rakan game three and you played the ezreal leona game one and while game one didn't look like a great game for surviving in bot lane because you guys got dived. <laughs> yeah, that, just that match doesn't look very fun either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown went to Leon, it the, the game three was way better, and I feel like you guys did a much better job of surviving on bot side. So, like, what was what was different in those games? Looking back to the G two series that you played last week, like, what was the difference? Because both games, you guys were not really getting jungle attention. You guys were surviving, just holding on and surviving while Yankos camped you perma on bot side. Um, what was really different between that game one and that game three? Mm, so our game one, I think that we had 
kind of a bad plan. We thought that I saw I saw this matchup in LCK, Ezri Leona in Tuvarus Brom, and they somehow got Prio level one, and then they were pushing, and I actually they weren't pushing, but they didn't dive them, and I think that they even got uh, got killed to v two. So I thought that the matchup is going to be <laughs> the matchup is gonna be fine, but. It wasn't, and we didn't tell Alia that he should puff bot, so we just got the dove, and after that the game was really rough. But the game three, I think that the bot lane matchup was kind of winning for us. If you remember, we were really ahead until I kind of entered it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that Ezreal right now is pretty strong, especially with Rakan, because you just jump in, do some sneaky combo, and you actually just one shot someone. Like if AD carry gets hit by the W and your WE, they most of the times just die. Yeah, I like the setup, and I mean it definitely looked much better for you guys overall. Cajal, are you are you a believer that all that needs are in the Mad Lions versus Rogue bot lane matchup? Because I think that a lot of people look at, I mean, you guys, it's like you three are the strongest. But I guess you could say top four bot lanes if you want to include Reckless Mickey X in there too. But like, this is this is probably one of the most intense bot lane matchups we'll have, unless Fnatic make it up a little bit further and we mm. get the absolute like Hillisang versus. I mean, Hillsang versus Kaiser is for sure a bloodbath, but yeah. this is going to be, I think, one of the most explosive bot lanes. Partially because Rogue, this entire season, and they, I think the Senate Tom Kench was like a winning bot lane, but like in the most boring way possible, whereas Rogue this season is drafting Callista. Callista. And I assume that Callista, Varus are just perma banned, you guys' entire series. I don't know. Max, a, Max, a cheeky boy. He likes to he brand, likes brand, 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 and then leave it open for you guys. I don't know who is responsible for that, if that's just him or if that falls <laughs> on you for being like, nah, it's cool. I've got my LCK matchup. We're going to be fine. Um, but like, what are your, what are your thoughts, Cajal, on this, specifically on this bot lane for this series? Um, well, I did predict Rogue to win this one and then Mad Lions to go to lose his bracket against G2 again. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> So I will be, I will hold my hands up and say that, uh, I don't know, but Rogue did look, I don't know if they look shaky against Misfits or Misfits just look surprisingly good. I think this weekend will show us when Misfits goes up against Fnatic. I think that'll tell us a big story as to how these teams stack up against each other. I think that'll answer the biggest question marks, but yeah, I think bot lane in, in Europe is pretty stacked, isn't it? Uh, I think that you can pinpoint most of these top six bot lanes and you can yeah. say that, damn, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, you certainly can. Car Carzi, um, do you... Oh man, I want to. This is the hardest part about interviewing you before a series, is because because technically Rogue can watch this piece. I can't. I have to actually hold back a lot of my meta questions because I don't want you to leak anything. Yeah. I don't want you to be uh. a leaky boy. All right. Okay. Let's keep it simple then. Let's do the narrative questions. Who I assume you think you're going to win this series? Because you have to assume. say that. Because <laughs> you have to say that. So I'm going to skip that and say who's facing you guys in the finals. You're going to win this series this weekend. Who's facing you guys in the final? Is it a rematch versus Rogue? Is it G2? I hope it's the rogue so we can crush their dreams once again. <laughs> are you are you simple and to the point? No, 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 no. Yeah, this is my question. Does it I know that a lot of players like to be like more passive and more removed and like we'll fight whoever we gotta fight and I just like, you know, we're gonna win at the end of the day. Does it is it extra sweet to you? Do you do you like get more motivation to win if you're like playing rogue in the finals? Like, does the idea of crushing yes. their dreams make you play better? I think, do you have a mental edge? It, it actually does. It does. <laughs> And I, I want they wanted to win. They wanted to win so bad last split. They were winning. They were winning the third game. They could free all stomp us and then they get reverse up. Oh my god. You're in their they heads. They have to get that feeling again. You love that? Oh, okay, good. Because that's the thing. It's like it's it's kind of petty, but I love it. Actually, I wanted to ask um 
whole a whole summer split there was this quarantine covid all these things going on where you guys are burnt out as well how is how is things in the team now are you guys feeling much more motivated individually especially as a team well so i definitely think so the last two weeks were kind of rough. I don't remember when we won Scream the last time. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's fine. We are, we are really good on stage, and that's what matters. Scrims are fake data. Scrims yeah. are fake data. We've learned that over the years. Yeah. Um, damn. I was hoping for a more resounding, like, hell yeah. Yeah, we're feeling great. Just beat G2. Because we keep saying that Mac promised us that you guys would peak in playoffs, and then you beat G2 in playoffs, and we're like, wow, Mac was right all along. And then the second we talk to you, you you can't even give it. You just break down and laugh. <laughs> um, I guess the, the final question to round out the discussion around this topic, um, do you feel like... Because I know that motivation, I know that burnout, and I'm sure that the quarantines have been difficult because you guys are one of the teams that's just been marathon running since spring into MSI, into the regular season. Do you feel like it's easier for you guys to be focused, to be excited, to be motivated when you are now in playoffs, on stage, best of fives, much higher stakes? Do you feel like the high stakes and high pressure like help you guys perform better? Yeah, it for sure does. I think that more people in our team find BO1s really boring, or at least I do, and... I don't know why, but it's just so boring to play BO1 and then it's mm. done. Yeah. So when there is BO5, it feels a lot more natural and just naturally feel more motivated, to be honest. I think it works like that for every player. Mm -hmm. And luckily in our team, when we are going for best of fives, all nerves go away. So we are just chilling on the stage, performing to our best. And yeah, that's it. That's it. a good superpower to have. As long as you can get a spot in best of one, the best of ones are kind of whatever. As long as you can get out of groups at Worlds or whatever plans, it's, you know, you're like, good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. No, you're good this time. They got the Turkish stage beast. There's no way. The Turkish stage beast. <laughs> um, also, if they win, they can't even get bottom three, so they can't even go to plans. So that's going to be big. Um, if they win against Rogue, right? Yes. Yep. Last question. I could ask you to predict the series, but it doesn't really matter what you say because at the end of the day, you think your team's going to win. So instead, will there be 2v2 bot lane kills? In this series that's what i need to know because i don't want it because they're gonna play strong side and maybe you guys are weak side jailed the entire series i'm not sure but i need to know is question. this is this the kind of series where we're gonna get 2v2 bot lane kills it's hard to say it depends i think the meta right now is more shifted so mm, it's not as easy to get 2v2 kills because there are not like because it's ash as real meta yeah it's, it's like ash as real and Aphelios, right? Varus. I mean, with Varus, you can get to be two kills pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. But it's hard to predict. But I think that there will be. Oh, Dracos, I can see your face. You just want him to say that he's going to smash I just want him to say you? that there's going to be a million. <laughs> I want there to be blood in this bottom lane. If we have to play, if I have to watch another series where you guys are just like stuck under your tower and Inspire is ganking you 24 7 and like Arma gets jungle attention on the top side, I'll be like, fine, that's League of Legends, that's cross mapping. But I just. I want to see Draven Callistalines. Yeah, I want like I want to I want to feel. Yeah, I want to I want to I want to see your smile on your face and know that you're thinking as you solo kill, or maybe Hans is gonna feel it as if he gets a solo kill. I want to see that like that petty like oh yeah we're gonna embarrass these kids like we're knocking them out. You know what I mean? Like that's what I want. That's what I want, Carzy. That's all I ask for. Um, so whatever Mac tells you to draft, just remember in the back of your head, 
I should never do this as a caster because this is just, you know, horrible morality. But just remember Draven. <laughs> Think Draven. Yeah. Killing Hansama with Draven. Is Look. that the most alpha move you can possibly make in LEC? I think so. <laughs> but keep in mind, we're interviewing Larson, and I'm going to say the exact same thing to Larson. So I just want Zed. somebody to play Draven. <laughs> okay. Um, Karzi, any final words? Wait. Actually, wait. I'm the worst interviewer of all you time. That question. I have one last question. Yeah. Do you know that if you rearrange the letters in your name, specifically the R and the A, that it spells crazy? Actually, I didn't think about that. Thank you. <laughs> oh what is that question? I promised someone I'd ask that question. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you want any more questions, you can check out Karzi and the Mad Lions on Twitter and see them in their matchup this Saturday, I believe, up against Rogue. Good luck, Karzi. Thank you for putting up with me uh, and taking the time to come <laughs> in and answer some questions and talk about your series. And yeah, good luck versus Rogue. We're also interviewing Larson, so we'll say the same thing to him. But actually, yeah, here's the actual best final question. Anything you want us to say to Larson real quick? Mm. Actually, oh. I don't really remember anything about Larson, you know? That's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. We asked Garzi to well, ask a question to you, but he, he couldn't said, remember, he couldn't anything, remember about anything about you. He's got orange hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh... And ginger goat. That's the only thing I remember. That is ginger goat. Ginger goat. Yeah. Ginger goat. We started that narrative. Yes, we did. Well, technically, he started it. We were just there for it. Okay, thanks, Carzy. We'll pass the message on to our boy Larson. Uh, good luck with the series. We'll see what Larson thinks. Maybe he thinks that he's going to get a lot of solo kills. We'll find out. <laughs> Talk to you later. Thank you very much. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here we are now with our second guest of the day, none other than the master of mid lane, Larson. Ginger um, god. The ginger god. Ginger we, dog. Ginger dog. Ginger... Well, Wait, it depends. It depends. I'm a dog now. You're a dog this week? Week, week. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if week mid is possible. You're TF, TF only. No, no fun champions. No, no damage dealers. Um, Karzi had a special message for you. Do you want to hear it and then respond with your own special message, or do you want to give your special message first and then we'll tell you what Karzi had to say? But he's already been here, no? So you can't give him a message. Yeah, but he'll see he it. Did. But he'll see it. That's what's important. Oh, the question is. Do yeah, you... I mean, I don't. I mean, I didn't think. I don't feel I have a message. Uh, Besides that, we we won't throw this time uh, like we did every every time. That's, okay. Okay. Uh, all. Okay. He oh. said, uh, "Huh? Um, I know he's the ginger god. That's all he said." That was it. Come on, I, I thought he would say something like toxic or something. Yeah, that's kind of what we were hoping for too. I'm not it gonna is, lie, but he yeah. seemed a little I mean, tired. He's too nice. He's, I mean, he's too nice. Yeah, he's, and you know, I mean, the way he phrased it wasn't very nice. Like Larson. Uh, oh. Yeah, I don't know much about Larson. He's the ginger god. There you go. <laughs> what else? What else do you need to know? Or yeah, the ginger dog, as we we flip it around um, sometimes. So, let's. I guess let's start because <laughs> it's been dog. it's been a minute since we've we started the show by talking about the Misfit series, and we have a lot of opinions. So why don't you, before we get into Rogue Mad, before we get into who's going to get the last world slot, why don't you tell us what was your impression of the Misfit series? Uh, how did you feel going into it, and then how did you feel as it was happening? Were you surprised by how good Misfits were? Uh, I mean, I obviously expected to like stomp 3-0, uh, which is kind of what most people expect, I think. Uh, yep. So obviously I was surprised, uh, but I'm also at the same time not surprised. Uh, I remember last two playoffs, it was like same best, the first best of five. We like hard grief. I remember last year we were first place in regular season and Fnatic stomped us 3-0 in the first best of five. And then we like came back after that. 
And the same in Springfield, we like were very bad the first place of five as well, if you remember against Mad, I think. Yep. Uh, so that's like not surprising. Uh, it kind of happens every time. I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's like the first best of five. Uh, and there's also always a, like a small break, like a two-week break after regular season and playoffs. And we usually we take like four or five days off. And I think we lose a lot during that period, actually. Like when I take four or five days off, I actually think we lose a lot. Uh, we lose like out of our habits and we become rusty. So mm-hmm. I think it might have to do with it. Uh, and we like do some media stuff and we and you like lose all your routines, kind of. Yep. So maybe that has something to do with it. So... I mean, at least we won this time. The other times we got stomped, so. Yeah, you're scaling, you're warming up, huh? That was the warm-up series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're always scaling in playoffs, so. Always scaling in playoffs. Love it. That's good. Scaling a little faster, though, I think is going to be the kind of the big the big goal here. Because I don't want to, like, the Misfit series is interesting. We talked about the Misfit series, and I don't want to dwell. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that you guys are scaling. Are you scaling fast enough to beat MAD this weekend? That is my question. You've already, you've already come in confidence. You said you won't throw this time, you know? Is this, are we going to see full, is there going to be enough time to scale for you to be, I don't know, either full strength rogue or a rogue that can beat this version of Mad Lions? Because Mad, your series was, as you said, it was a little, it was a little shaky. It feels like you guys are still getting back into things, but Mad series versus G2 outside of that first game was pretty solid. They kind of just beat the shit out of G2. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, that, how does that make a, you feel going yeah, I mean, forward? We're definitely scaling. I mean, I'm a scaling god, right? Uh, yeah, I know sure. how to scale. Yeah. Risk shielding on my IC right now and it's going to be a full item coming into the weekend, uh, I hope. So, I mean, I don't think it takes that long time to scale. The other playoffs didn't take too long time to scale. It took like one week to scale. Uh, so I think we can uh, get back into shape. We're, you can notice in scrims last week that we're not in shape, but uh, I hope this week we come back into shape. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to say if we will scale fast enough uh, since uh, the week is not over of scrims, we have started screaming. But I'm, I'm very confident that we will take them down. Yeah. Did, um, did the G2 series surprise you a little bit um from what you knew in scrims or whatever it may be that mad lions just took it 3-1 pretty handily despite the first game g2 winning did that series surprise you that mad lions won it do you think you would be facing g2 in this uh, in this upper bracket final this weekend uh we kind of expected to pip g2 actually uh, from scrims mm. from scrims they were stronger than mad uh by a margin uh by a margin at least from our scrims i'm not sure about a lot of scrims but from our scrims they were definitely g2 is stronger but i feel like mad are just a better playoff team than g2 I mean, last playoffs, like G2 were doing really well during regular season as well. And then they were like bad in best of fives. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there, but it kind of looked the same. They were not doing too much and did some easy mistakes. And then they just lost the games very like without doing much. Uh, but I think F3 Caps was having LeBlanc performance, right? We were trying to win in nine. Yep. Yep. So it was like, I mean, they played better than last playoffs, but uh, they still like look like the G2 that were not doing too much. And we're like... Uh, just not doing too much and then like just doing some random mistakes and then it was hard to play. Hmm. Who do you feel but like? They definitely, they, 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 I expect them to be stronger, yeah. But they still like show a decent performance. I think Mad is just very good as well. Can you, do you think you can pinpoint like what, what is going on in G2? Because I think the biggest struggle that we have right now when we talk about that series is it's like we can all agree that G2, like in our eyes it was like G2 wasn't playing very well together. Yes, they were making a lot of mistakes, but it's hard for us to pinpoint what exactly is going for wrong. What's what's your take on like what's actually going wrong for G2? Is it just individual players making mistakes? Is it like, you know, bad drafts? Is it like what is it what is it that's actually making this so hard for for G2? Yeah, I mean I'm on the same boat as you guys. I don't know actually like exactly what the problem is. Uh I don't think they have any huge problems. Uh maybe they have to be like more proactive on stage. 
play for more energy. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. Seems like they they're lacking some proactiveness on stage. Uh, but uh, I mean the best of fives. But I'm not exactly sure. I'm asking you guys. I'm in the same boat. I'm not exactly sure. It's very hard to say. Yeah, I think everyone kind of struggles really to just pinpoint. I mean, where we see like I mean maybe they get lower bracket buff uh, now. Like mm. yeah. yeah. Like losing losing a best of five can be very good for you, I think, because uh, you actually get like wake up call and you like learn a lot from from losing. I think, so it can be a good thing for them, and they will like bounce back very strong. Yeah, yeah. and speaking about the losers bracket, G two is one best of five still away from Worlds. Do you expect G two to make it to Worlds, or do you think that Misfits Fnatic could show up and take them down? Whoever goes through uh, on Sunday's game. I mean, for sure, I, I expect you to go towards with us, right? Uh, I expect them to be stronger uh, in the lower bracket. Uh, so definitely expect them, but you never know. I mean, Misfits can surprise. Uh, yeah, I mean, a serious thing is us. They were playing very well, I think. Uh, even though we didn't play that well, I think they played well. And they can definitely surprise. Mm. And what's your take on Fnatic after that Vitality series? Uh, well, I'm not sold. But you never know. <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, the, the ball is round. Everything can happen. The you ball is know. round. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> 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 That's what Slatan says. The ball is round. Anything can happen. So oh. anything can happen. But I don't expect them to go towards. But anything can happen. But I definitely don't expect them towards. So I think, I think it, if it, I think if Fnatic win against Misfits, they will lose against G two. I think Misfits would have a higher chance to win against G two than Fnatic. That's crazy. That's actually super interesting. Do you? It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that like the only team that you really have faith in in the the bottom three teams that are in that bracket right now, Misfits, um, Fnatic, and G two is is G two. Do you think that's a fair? Uh, I have a bit of faith in Misfits just because the, we we had such a close series, so I need to have faith in them. Uh, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, definitely, I mean, I mean, it's understandable to have most faith in G two. I think most people will have it. We were talking earlier today, and I would love to get your take on this. When do you think that like that undying belief that G two are going to figure it out just in time will fade away? Because they've had one rough season. Now we're going into the second rough season. And if they if they miss worlds, like that's a pretty crazy thing. That's the first time ever. But it sounds to sounds to me, and you're scrimming this team too, so you probably have more of a base of experience for you. But I feel like anytime anyone talks about G two because they were so successful in 2019, because they were so successful in 2020, people just assume that they're gonna figure it out and it's just all gonna work out. Like, are are you in the same boat that like even though you can't quite put your finger on it, you just assume that G two are just gonna make it work? I kind of felt like that was the perks era. That, that like that belief that they were always gonna figure it out. I kind of felt like that was Perks times. Mm. He, he's, I don't know, Perks is, seems like a player that can just turn the team around. Seems like uh, seems like a really good leader, and so seems very like a very clutch player. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think that was Perks time, but this is the last time to show if they can like turn it around. I think uh, before like the narrative would die or something. How you guys say it? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like it's a it's little. Just, it's just like it's just like the last playoffs where they, if they don't turn it around, then it should like kind of fade away this narrative that they will like mm. always turn it around. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot of pressure. It's very very crazy. Um, I asked this to Karzi and I'll ask this to you. I assume you're going to predict yourself to beat Mad Lions. So boom, easy. Who are you facing in the finals? Uh, I hope Karzi said us. If if the. But yeah, I mean, he, I would say Mad. I would say Mad. So yeah, he did say you. Mad. He did see you. Do you have? Is it like? Is it special to you? Is it personal to you when you play against? Revenge. Is there like a revenge angle? Are you motivated by the fact that there's like they beat you last time? Like, what's the, what's the feeling like when you step up on stage in the finals up against Mad? I mean, it's something I'm also just motivated to take the title home uh, since we were so close last time. I won't really. I mean, definitely more fun to play against Mad than G two. Uh, 
Before it was different, before it would be more, more fun to play against G2, but now it's definitely more fun to play against Mad in a final. So, but I mostly was motivated by taking a title home because we were so close last time. So, mm. yeah. And just comparing spring to summer playoffs, you guys lost to Mad Lions, of course, the reverse sweep. You were so close to doing it. What's changed for summer? Is there anything in team mentality, just the way you approach the game, anything as a team that you just feel like you needed to change after spring that now is drastically helping you in summer? Or how is Rogue doing? Uh, well, that's uh, I don't think we changed anything drastically. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I don't think we had like any huge issues. I mean, obviously the big issues were that we threw games and you guys know it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, rogue time. And it's something, yeah, rogue time. And it's kind of got worse by, by it kind of got even worse since then. Like we, back then we just threw against Mad. Now we kind of like threw games against Vitality and we had some other throws, I think. Uh, but that's obviously a big thing, but I don't think it's that hard. This uh, rogue time, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. If we, if we stay focused, it really shouldn't be that hard. And that's why I said to Corsi, uh, we won't throw again, because I'm very confident we won't throw again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm very, I watched so much RPL lately. Like I watched like so many RPL games. I watched like every RPL game and just watching how they play, they, I just want to copy it and it should be so hard to throw because they're like so good at snowballing. So. Is that, uh, yeah. is that Rogue's philosophy? Just become an LPL team? <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, that's not really our place to read. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I would love to be an LPL, LPL team, that's for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Like, they're, they're so good. They're so good. They are so good. We're all sweating. <laughs> World is going to be interesting. Yeah, in fact, you're I think not I've... supposed to say that, Larson. You're supposed to say they're so good, yeah. but, but we're we, better. We're, we're going to beat them. But we're better. Because you're going to Worlds now. Sure. That's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> We can uh, beat them. We can beat them. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Full, we, we, full we will stomp them. We'll stomp them. There That's, we go. You Better heard it here first. Yeah. Um, last thing, I think that it's kind of crazy to hear that you that you guys feel like you haven't like really like made like crazy steps, and it's just about like fixing these one or two issues. But um, do you feel like looking at Mad? Do you feel like Mad have made significant strides in improvement at all? As as you know, like kind of, they're your right. They are your. They beat you in a final. They're your rivals now. It's, it's the narrative. It's just going to be what it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good narrative. It's a good narrative. So, do you feel like Mad have improved? Looking at Mad, like, do you feel like they've improved leaps and bounds, or do you feel like mostly you guys are both still the same team? Uh, to me, it feels like we're very same. I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, that's that's how I feel. I feel like we're very same. Yeah. Or you guys have a different view. I think I think that what I'll say is that like, and this is partly because of the meta, right? Because the last time you guys played. In finals, it was like the Senna Tom Kench meta. It was boring as hell. But obviously, Hansama and Trimby get to do a lot more now these days, and that's pretty exciting. Um, is they've been super explosive this season. Not that they weren't already killing Karzi and Kaiser in the last mm. final with Senna Tom Kench, but you know, it's a little bit different this time around. And I'll say that from a mad perspective, I feel like this G2 series, and maybe the G2 series is a red herring, maybe it'll mislead me, but I feel like Arma is getting better. And he was already pretty good mid to late in your series. He had a lot of clutch moments, but now I feel like he's getting he's improving as a laner. And while his champion pool is the same as it has been for a very long time, I mean the fact that he can still pick it and win anyway is uh, is so you mean it's me the Vizichachi effect? The Vizichachi effect, yeah. Vizichachi yeah. was Poppy. It was Shen Shogath. Chogath. Now we have the Armut effect, and it's Nar, Jace, Wukong, Wukong and occasionally Gwen. Maybe a Camille here and there if he's feeling it. <laughs> Maybe a Camille. But I think they're just different uh, in a way. Similar, but I think slightly different where I think Rogue slightly better in early game and yeah. more flexible topside. But Mad Lions mid to late game just seems for now in more recent games uh, more decisive. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I mean, we know. I think both teams know each other so well. Like we know them very well by this point, and I think they know us very well. So this will be very, very interesting because I mean, we for sure have like a better read on them since last time we played them, mm-hmm. uh, and they probably I think they will stick with their read on us uh, that we are like probably gonna throw games. That that's what they expect maybe, but. Mm. But you're not. Uh, you're, you promised us you weren't. Yeah, we're not, you, right? We're you not. promised us no throws. Yeah, so we're going to bring that up this weekend. Uh, you can yeah. fully, fully committed. This is no throw zone. <laughs> no throw zone. <laughs> All right. Uh, Larson, good luck this weekend, man. Good luck in this week of scrims. I hope it goes smoothly for you. Um, I said the same thing to Carzy. Did I say anything else nice to Carzy? Because I want to make sure we say nice things to no, both sides. No, you said good luck to Carzy. Good luck. Uh, I said good luck to Carzy. So good luck, Larson. Good luck, Larson. It's balanced. No bias yeah, casting here. We just, just say like good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. We yeah, hope it's a, it's a. It's a. It's No, I'll change it up. Break a leg. Break a leg. There, there you go. go. Uh, we hope Whoa, it's a. Yeah. It's a. It's a two-two uh, series with a and never. A penta yeah. killing game five. Penta killing game five. Someone will get a penta yes. kill. For me, for me, on a series. For me, on a series. You did ask Carzy about Draven and picking it in the back of his mind. Oh, I did say yeah. I did ask say that he should pick Draven. So t- if you could tell Han Sama that he'll pick Dra- should pick Draven too, so that it's really balanced. Um, he wants aggression in bot lane. Dra- I want, Dra- I want, wants I want kills. lots of I want lots or of two kills. Ash Varus farming FK. You can also get that. Yeah, that's probably what I'm expecting is Ash Varus and maybe the occasional Ezreal. But um, it'd be nice if lanes could kill each other. You Draven Callista. Draven Callista. Yeah. If you guys Blitz in mid lane thresh. wanted to kill each other, if, if really just if we could get some solo kills or two v two kills, that's my request. Yep. I asked Matt, and I'll ask you guys too. Just, just on the radar. Let Freddy know. You know. Yeah, I, mean, just... I was kind of thinking about playing a series, so it's hard to solo ball on him. But maybe oh. I should change my play. leaked, leaked, I'll leaked. Cut the tape. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll cut that part out. We don't I mean, want I've anyone. been saving a series the whole season just for this best of five. So. Oh wow! There it is. He's just calling out <laughs> calling out mad lines like that. Just it, just do me a solid and hover it in one of the pick bands so Cadre can go. Wow! On the Euphoria podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just give me one. Just give me one hover. The team fight That's king. Ginger God. Team fight king. Ginger oh, God yeah. or Ginger Dog. We'll talk about it. We can do a Twitch poll. Dog or God? Dog or God? Okay, How yeah. is Larson Lower playing third. right now? I mean, first start. half of the season was like complete ginger dog, and now it's ginger God. You so have been elevating. There's no middle ground. Absolutely not. Nope. No great. Just black and white. Let's go. All right. Uh, I had an ending. I forgot it. Larson, good luck. I'll say it one more time. Yep. Uh, enjoy <laughs> I the rest of the I think we said good luck too much from now. Yeah, we have. Yeah, uh, thank good, you good for, com- thank you for coming on. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see you this weekend. See you, man. Good luck to Larson and Carl. One more time, just because yeah. we said good luck too many times. Uh, May the shout out to be both ever in your favor. Ever. Ooh. Ooh. It's the Hunger Games. I know. Is that how they do the Hunger Games? That's right, yeah. I think the odds, yeah, 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 yeah. That report's right. I don't know about the finger kiss thing. I don't remember that. Yeah, I think there's something like this. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Shout out to Larson and Carzy. It's been, it's a weird ending to this podcast. We've been getting progressively more derailed as... Um, we're losing, we're minus two intelligence because minus, we've been going for one hour and yeah, a half. Yeah, yeah, Let me getting, eat my mashed potatoes. It's warm in here. The hotter it gets, the stupider we get. Yeah, we need Freddy um, to cast the water spell. There we go, for sure. And then electrify us as he always does. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, whatever that was. Shocked. Anyway, if you haven't told, been made aware already, we have three incredible best of fives coming up this weekend. So to recap, we have Misfits vs. Fnatic on the Friday. Saturday is Rogue versus Matt. And Sunday is the winner of Friday's game G2 versus, versus X. G2. Now, here's the big thing. All of these games are exciting. Normally, we highlight what you should watch, but all these games are absolute bangers. So just get ready for everything. But one thing I want to highlight is the prediction battle, which currently there is only one winner uh, between us and Vettius, and it's Cadrill. Uh, you cannot, you, you won't be able to see it in podcast land. You can see it behind us in YouTube land, but I'll run you through it. Cadro predicted Rogue to win. No surprise, Rogue win. Cadro predicted Mad win. Mad win. He predicted Fnatic win. Fnatic win. Um, and now here we are. The only correct prediction, because me and Vetti both predicted G2. Here's the thing. You've now predicted 
Misfits to lose to Fnatic. You predicted Misfits to lose to Fnatic. And then you've predict, and then Rogue are going to beat Mad. That's your prediction for this weekend. Yeah. And then G2 are going to beat Fnatic on the final day. So yeah. then we'll have the final, and then it'll be, so it'll be Mad G2 into the winner of that versus Rogue. That's your prediction. So yeah. the big thing is you think Fnatic's going to beat Misfits, and then you think G2 is going to beat Fnatic. Yeah. So would you change anything? No. That's my question. No. Everything we've seen this weekend, would you change anything? No. Full faith. Why then, my, is my final question for the podcast before we wrap it up, because again, three exciting matchups, watch them all, is the Misfits series did not shake your faith in Rogue. That is my question for you. Because yep. I can believe G2 beat Fnatic, that whole bottom side of the table, you can predict anything and I will believe you. I think there's an argument for any one of those teams to make it through, and I think there's not enough tape of any one of those teams playing amazingly for you to have full faith in any one of those three. But Rogue, Mad Lions, Mad beat G2, pretty convincingly. Yep. And Rogue... Um, I think no one in this entire first round of playoffs, it's it's hard. I think everyone has a really bad best of five in the first round of playoffs on teams with expectations on their shoulders. Sure. I think that's happened through, since the dawn of time where there's almost losing to like teams which on paper are weaker. Now, Misfits look incredibly good. So if there was anything that I would change is the Misfits fanatic thing, which changes the whole snowball effect of now G2 facing Misfits and then la la la. la. Um, but I think I, I still have faith in Fnatic. Um there's a lot of detail to go into that as to why, but for now I'm going to stick with Fnatic. Mad G2 definitely something that I could reconsider with, you know, Mad beating Rogue on the upper half of the bracket because they did really well against G2. Um, but I, I have my thoughts on Rogue, and I think that Rogue are in great form right now. I think they're still the best team, and I think that Mad Lions will lose in the early game. I think Rogue will have the better hand. It's all about in Rogue's hands as to whether they give Mad Lions those opportunities, which I think they're so good at finding mm-hmm. in the mid to late game. So uh, yeah. I'll stick with it for now. I think staying with my gut's always a good thing, and uh, my gut seems to be working. I mean, the only reason I'm still in it is because I predicted Matt to be G2, right? So it's not like I'm some profit yet, but if it works out, then maybe I will. I mean, you kind of, the three of us, you're the most profit-esque. Yeah. So we'll take it. Yeah. All right, here's the deal. Now is the time to watch competitive European League of Legends. E-Masters starting too, which is important. Um, but watch these three series this week. Uh, they are great. They are all going to be incredible. And if you missed round one of playoffs, I don't want you to feel bad. But if you feel sad for missing out on that stuff, you should. Because it was great. It was a great series. 14 games. So again, Friday, we have Misfits versus Fnatic. Winner faces G2 on Sunday for the final world slot. Only one of G2, Fnatic, and Misfits will make it to Worlds. Our first two seeds are already locked. Not in order, but they are locked in that they are going. That is Rogue and Mad. So... A lot on the line. It's going to be a crazy, we're, crazy weekend. We're going to go into the weekend with five teams left. I'm going to leave with three. Hell yeah. Dracos? Yes? I'm going to ask you one question and one question on you. Yes? Misfits Fnatic. I know you've done your predictions already and you're out, but who's going to win Misfits Fnatic? I need to know. In your opinion. Oh, it's so hard. It's like... It's so hard. It's literally the question is, do I believe that Upset and Hillisang can obliterate Kabi and Vander faster than here it can beat Adam? Because I do think here it will beat Adam. And the answer is, yeah. I have to believe. Oh, but Misfits play better. I think they play better as a team in mid-game, late-game. I'm going with Fnatic, dude. Not like no plot armor. I just like all of those players have a lot more experience in general and are very clutch. And I think that while Razork is probably better than Whippo, um... And I think top lane is also very Misfits favorite. I think mid lane is going to be super close, but I think bot lane is like, that is a, that is the, the what is it, the thing that Ellis says in the Marianas Trench or whatever? That is huge. It's a Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. The, the last question I'd have for you is, if Fnatic now, beat, they're beaten Vitality, if they beat Misfits and then they beat G2, is that like 
the playoffs miracle run because they had to win three best of fives back against the wall to make it to Worlds. That'd be nuts, huh? I think context is important on how good other the teams look that they're playing against. True. But yeah, I think because I I think it's me. it's it is massive for Fnatic on multiple fronts. One would be knocking G2 out from Worlds contention, which would be huge just for that rivalry to reignite there potentially because it's kind of been a dead rivalry for a while, while right? Um, and I also think to go from Spring to roll swap Whippo into jungle, and turning it all around, bring in a rookie top laner, and then make top three. You know, after the worst split in the org's history since 2016. With, with such a strong top four, top five that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. That's I crazy. think that's insane. I think that is truly, yeah. I think beyond expectation. I think that I predict Fnatic to win against Misfits, but I think past that, if they make top three, that is mind blowing. Yeah. We'll mind see what blowing. happens. All, all happens this weekend. Yep. How all happens this weekend? TikTok. A, TikTok. Um, get ready for that. Get excited for that. There's going to be Party more. On, stop and no, keep going. Oh, oh, uh, oh. I thought you were going to keep talking. God damn what? <laughs> I was going to sing in the background while you kept What going. were you going to? Okay, fine. All Kesha. right. Well, Kesha. Uh, the party don't, don't start till I walk in. When I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Red Bull sponsors. Um, hi, Euphoria. It's done. We'll be back next week. We've got some special content coming for you ahead of finals. Some interesting stuff, some fun stuff. But of course, we'll always be keeping that finals preview coming your way. So regardless, thank you for watching. It's been Season 8, Episode 11. We are heading into Playoffs Round 2. Get hype. It's going to be a banger.